Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody. Kim and I are here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM, exploring all things wine with you. And today we want to start with an article once again, Kim, that was in Wine Enthusiast magazine. We love Wine Enthusiasts. They have a lot of articles that we cover. Yeah, it's been some. I like them because their topics are, I feel like, very relatable. You know, I feel like they talk about the things that we get questions about. So it's nice to see, um, you know, some other professional opinions and comments about a lot of the things that they uh, they have to talk about. Our regular listeners will know that Kim, a lot of times when we talked about wine, will reference wine importers and how to find good wines based on the importer. And this article in Wine Enthusiasts, was all about what is a wine importer. We never covered it. So Mm -hmm. we thought we'd tell everybody all about wine importing business. That's one of those things that I feel like on a wine bottle, you know, sometimes we'll tell people to turn the bottle around to see if they can get some extra information about the wine. And that's where you'll find the information about who the importer is. And what they do is they are the person or company or organization that actually brings in the wine from whatever country it's from and then brings it into the market here in the U.S. So there that I I hesitate to use the word middleman because I feel like that gets a bad rap. What is, I think, nice about a lot of the wine importers, especially for I know last week's show or the week before's show, we talked about fine wine and what is fine wine um, for for fine wine uh, coming into us from other parts of the world. The wine importer really has a significant impact on what are those wines that we are seeing and what is the style, what is the quality, what are we actually going to end up getting at our local restaurants or our retail stores? You know, that really does depend on the importer. Definitely not the middleman, more the man. The man. Without well, just the that they're importer. not the grower producer. Right. You know, they're they're that other step. They are the ones though that approach in our state, the distributor, to say, hey, we have this wine, we'd like to bring it into Massachusetts. And that's how they have to get it in the door mm-hmm. to get it to me, to get it to sell to you. So a very important job. And Kim's tip is is a real great tip. She always says to turn that label over. If it's an imported wine, see who's bringing it into the country. Chances are the person bringing that in, their palate, if you like that wine, is going to be very similar to something you might also like that they import. So by following them, you can find some other wines that you may like very easily. So always a good tip that you give in the in the past there, Kim. And I think it's it's um, sometimes a little tricky for people to understand what's an importer versus a distributor versus a supplier. You know, we we kind of throw these wine words around a lot. 
talking about the different levels of the system. You know, what is the chain that a bottle of wine has to go through before it can get into your grocery basket or onto your table? So I think every once in a while, it's it's nice to spotlight these kinds of things because it gives you, the consumer, a little bit more insight into this is how the ins and outs of the wine world actually work. Can be complicated because a lot mm-hmm. of distributors, even a lot of store owners can be their own importers. So a lot of stores might not be able to get a certain wine that they like from a distributor. So they reach out to a winery directly and set up their own importing business. And How can common also do you think that is? You know, the only I only know of like two smaller guys that do it. And are they retailers? And, yeah. I mean, Medfield Wine, Maddie and Medfield, oh, he's sure. an importer. So he has his own importing company. So, so you can he, be mean, an importer and a store. Yeah. It's just two separate uh, businesses. And he probably sells a good amount of the stuff he's importing, which is fine because he, he can't get it from anybody else. So, mm-hmm. And a lot of times the importer usually focuses on a specific region in Many people might not know in Franklin, there's actually a new importer in town, a business called Vine Farmer. I I know you've met them in the past, right, Kim? Mm -hmm. And they import Italian wines as their specialty. They have relationships with small family vineyards in Italy that they visit quite often or had visited in the past and they liked them. They couldn't get them. So they started a business based on friendships they developed to bring wines into Massachusetts, being their own importer. So mm-hmm. this small importers, then this really big importers you probably heard of in the past, like the Kermit Lynch or Wilson Daniels. Now, isn't Kermit Lynch a merchant as well? Yes. So they um, started out not only as an importer, but he had, I believe, a retail shop in California. A retail, yeah. Yep. So, so that's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they can be very, very big companies. Another example of an importer would be like Cavett is owned by a very huge importer. Everybody knows Cavett wine, Italian wines. They can be importing huge products or they can just be importing small artisanal type products as well. So it's kind of like everything else in the wine world. There are smaller examples and there are larger examples. And, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a little digging to find something that belongs to that level of the chain that impacts the flavor of the wine to the extent that you are then going to go look for it and be like, oh, I really have liked a whole bunch of things that this one particular importer has brought in. Let me go out and see what other things that I can find. And it's often, I think for some of the, um, better importers of European wines who have been established for a while, like Kermit Lynch um, or or like Rosenthal, which which brings in or they started as Italian, but I think they have other things, too. Right. Um, you just turn that label over and usually it's fairly <laughs> it's, you know, a fairly big back label that tells you who the importer is. Yep. It'll say imported by so and so. And then it'll give the winery information below that. And as a retailer, there's a lot of value in finding or making relationships with who the importers are, because a lot of times the importers work on their own to help promote their products. So they work with the distributor, but they also like to go out on their own to promote their wines. And you can make some real good relationships on the retail side, which in turn helps you as the customer 
because the retailer is now focusing on things that other stores might not even know of because the importer is working directly with the retail to get some specialty products in mm-hmm. and giving you good background. And the kind of difficult thing being Massachusetts three tier, a lot of times the importers don't work with just one distributor. So they might have, say, 50 wines they import. One distributor might take 10 of them. Then they'll bring whatever to another. So they could work with three, four distributors within the state. So it kind of complicates the distribution because they're working with so many people. But a lot of the times, one retailer, you might like the importer, like Kim says, or, or then you go to the retail and they only have a certain amount of their wines right. because they might not deal with all the distributors. And do you find that that sometimes will th- will stretch the resources of that importer a little bit thin if they have to keep up with having multiple distributors in a particular state? Yeah, I think a good importer has people that will show their products no matter who they're distributed by. They mm-hmm. want to tell you their, what their line is and they'll tell you right out, you know, this is with so-and-so, this with so this one's not even in the state. And surprising, a lot of times I find a lot of products that way that I never knew my distributor had because oh. the importer came in and said, oh, you, by the way, we also have this or that. And that's how we do a lot of our um, education or tastings because the importer directly will come and do the event because mm-hmm. the distributor probably doesn't even know. You know, they're just supporting it. Yeah, it's sometimes hard when a portfolio is kind of big and there's only, you know, so much time in your day to focus on a particular wine or a particular region or whatnot. As this is nice to have that extra layer of support in the market to be focused on those sometimes more interesting wines or things that tend to get lost a little bit because they're not those big branded things that you're trying to push a lot of quantity on, but the quality might be. Um, noticeably better, I think, of those things when you've got someone who's really paying attention to what they're bringing in, what they're showing, and really has that passion for those wines in their book. They're doing a lot of things behind the scenes that people in the wine world Mm. don't know about. They're the ones who have to get the labels submitted to be brought into the country. They're the ones who have to go to the distributors who educate them on the product or how to sell their products or tell them what the deals are on the product. So they're dealing at every level. They're dealing at the, you know, the government level, they're de- dealing at the distributor level, they're dealing at the retail level, and they interact with consumers. So it's a pretty broad job that they have to do. Yeah. And complicated. <laughs> yeah. It's Hopefully it's not, work. you know, one person doing all of that stuff, because I can't imagine that you're tr- trying to sell a wine and, and then also submitting labels for uh, for the government to to approve of. Yeah, they. I mean, they do so much. And yeah. a lot of times that's who I like to deal with as a retailer, right to who's important. Show me what your portfolio is, because a lot of times the distributor doesn't have the time to show all their products mm-hmm. and won't focus as much or give you as much information. And a lot of the, I don't want to say a lot of the values, but a lot of the products I've found have been when an importer approaches me to show me their portfolios. Well, especially for a, a shop like yours, because you like to find those interesting out of the way, you know, you're so much more focused on quality and interesting regions and grape varieties. And it's like, 
you know, you have a certain perspective that I think dealing one-on-one with an importer helps you with because you are looking for those interesting things that you can bring to your customers and that you can talk to them about or teach a class about or be like, hey, we discovered this really cool thing and here, let me share it with you. So it's nice for retailers like yourself to have that group of people that you can go to and have those conversations and really find those wines that I think benefits the entire market by being able to get those wines out there to the consumer. Yeah. A lot of times the distributors just don't, they have so many products and so many importers they're dealing with. They just don't have the time to show you everything. So you really efficient retailer will look at what's out there, especially Mm -hmm. if they have needs in certain areas. But it all goes back to your advice, Kim, that you always, you know, give our listeners to check what that importer is. And very rarely does someone come in and say, hey, do you have any other Kermit Lynch wines on your shelf? Yeah, it is kind of a, I think it's kind of a a deep dive, sort of a, um, a way of looking at your wines and choosing your wines. I don't think that it is something that too many casual wine drinkers will do, but if you're really getting into wine and really developing your palate and your tastes and and just want to know more and more and more and more and are open-minded about exploring new wines that you've never had before, I really feel like it is a great way to uh, investigate and experiment with some other wines that are out there that hopefully will align with your tastes, which is, I, I think, why I started understanding a little bit more about the importers was because I had reached that point where I was like, okay, I know what I like. And there, is it a coincidence that they're all, you know, a lot of these wines are brought in by the same company. And I think that that is really what hit it off for me many years ago. And another tip for our listeners is go directly to the importers' websites. I have actually found that those websites are really, really useful for finding a lot of detailed information about the wines. Yeah, and a lot of times they'll have like a search feature to find out where, what states you can get it in or who's carrying what products and it'll Mm -hmm. it'll link you to the distributor. It'll also have the tech sheets. Most of the time, the ones I've seen, you can search by country. Yeah, That's a good resource. The importer websites were my number one go-to source when I was trying to find new information about wines to educate my legal seafood staff on. Whenever I needed to know something about a wine, the first place I would go would be the website for the importer. And more often than not, they would give exactly the information that I was looking for. The importer's usually post that information first on their website. And many times too, Kim, if someone asks me about a wine I've never heard of, I'll do a search and I'll say, oh yeah, it's listed and this is distributed. I'll give them customer, if I don't work with that distributor, I'll give them the information directly to call Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. ask them if they can have the importer bring it in or whatever. So a lot of times you call them, they'll listen to you. I don't know if they'll import it for you but going the extra uh, mile mark lens yeah yeah you gotta (laughs) i don't have it here's how you can get it you're listening to the wonderful world of wine and we are your hosts kim and mark you can find more information about mark on his website franklinliquors.com and more information about myself at commonwealthwineschool.com and you can find our past episodes on soundcloud and itunes and find us on Twitter at Wine Education. 
Welcome back to the wonderful world of wine. Our next article tackles a word that you will often see in wine writing, but can be a little confusing. And that is the word cuvee. Nomar, can you explain a little bit to our listeners about what the word cuvee could mean on a wine label? Cuvee. Interesting enough, another wine enthusiast article we picked up today. And this term can be used many different ways. And you've probably seen it on the front of wine labels, but a lot of times it has to do with a blend or with sparkling wine, cuvee for blend. Mm -hmm. And Kim being the bubbly queen, I'm sure she's very familiar with it. And I researched, I never knew it's cuvee, but is it cuve, Kim, which is a French term, means vat or tank? Is that how they, the French say it? I believe so. It's with only one E at the end and not with two only E's, one. correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yep. a French term. So obviously related to sparkling world. for French. Because there's so much blending in sparkling wine. I've actually been talking about blends an awful lot with people this last week. I don't know why, but the talking about blends and our blends good and and I've been writing a little bit about it. So it seems it's been top of mind for me. So I actually felt that this was a great article to talk about because I've been thinking about it lately. So when we think about the word cuvee, I think the at least in terms of wine regions that apply it the most, I think you're right that we do see it attached to sparkling wine, sparkling wine houses, champagne houses, a little bit more than other places. Whereas if you're dealing with a still wine, you tend to see the word blend, but for sparkling, they like to stick to the traditional French term and use this word cuvee. And I think what a lot of people don't know about sparkling wine and especially champagne is that they're almost always blends. And, you know, sometimes we we might think that, oh, you know, why are they making a blend? Does that mean that it's inferior wines that are being put together to try to make something better? No, it's it's to find the right balance. So it's about putting all of these different components together, just like making a meal. And then what you have as the final product ends up being better than each of the individual elements. And this word is just the one that has come down um, as the word to describe that blend, especially when we talk about our favorite bubbles. And there's no legal definition, I think, in any country for cuvee, correct, Kim? That's true. Yeah, that they did mention that in this article, that it's one of those words that <laughs> anybody can use it, and there's no specific qualification for using the term. And it's just like, you know, I guess people just sort of understand what is being meant by it when you're a producer. And they can use it as a combination either a blend of the wine, a blend of vintage, mm -hmm. a blend of vineyards, a blend of grapes. Uh, there's multiple yep. ways someone could use the term. And in the article, it mentioned quality, Kim. Do you think it's a misleading term to put on a bottle that people are seeing it and thinking quality? Because if it's a still wine, for instance, and they're relating cuvee to sparkling or champagne, and they uh -huh. see a still wine, it says cuvee of red blend or whatever. Do you think it's a misleading term to guide them to think it's good quality? I think it could be used that way as sort of marketing usage of a word that maybe people recognize, but don't necessarily know what it means. So if people... English speaking people, you know, don't necessarily 
know what that word means, uh, but have seen it on better bottles of wine, I definitely see that it could be a little bit of a tricky use of a word, especially because it's French. And when you put, I think, a, a French word on, especially an American bottle of wine, it gives it this, I don't know, this sort of aura of this must be something extra special, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think in, to... in some cases um, it can be used more as a marketing gimmick than thing else. I almost relate it to the study they did about putting a picture of a chateau on a label. Sure. To think it's quality. It kind of goes that way for me with cuvee. Yeah. Do, do you think it's used as much now as in the past? Because I'm kind of relating it to an old fashioned term because when French wines were the thing the maybe the american wines wanted to put that on the label uh -huh. to kind of get people into that mentality that it's the same quality yeah. as a french wine so, yeah i think you're right i think you're right because i was thinking i i haven't seen it on a lot of products lately and then i searched my database of products that are brought into mass mm -hmm. and there was like over 600 products with the term cuvee attached to them. 600? Yeah. There was like 65 pages of products just wow. searching cuvee that I brought in. And it was Greek cuvee, chocolate cuvee, Spanish, of course, wait, wait, sparkling. Greek, and Greek cuvee? Did yeah, it actually say Greek, Greek cuvee? cuvee. <laughs> Greek wine that had cuvee. Spanish wine that had cuvee. French, okay. of course. And a lot of sparkling and even mm -hmm. Prosecco using cuvee. Well, I mean, and that's sparkling. <laughs> even scotch and whiskey using the term cuvee. Okay. Which, I mean, blended scotch, it, it mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Absolutely. So I guess it is still a term that is hale and hearty out there. <laughs> it's not uh, going away anytime soon, I guess. When do you first, do you remember it as far as retail, seeing it first or consumer or restaurant? When do you I think recall? I remember seeing it as a consumer because even before I was in wine, one of our favorite styles of wine to drink always has been California Red Zinfandel. And I remember there was a time where a lot of Zins were using, and I think they still do, use the word cuvee on their labels. And I remember some of our favorite wines having that and, and me not knowing what that meant. <laughs> like, what is that all about? So yeah. For me, it definitely, my, I feel like my first encounter with it was California red wines and red blends. I was also trying to think about when I've seen it lately on sparkling. Is it, have you seen it lately on a sparkling product? I think I, I feel like I have. I know there are some champagne houses that might have like a special name attached to their basic house style and they will have the word cuvee as part of that. I think Tattinger does that. It's just something uh, I like saying it. I'm surprised that I wonder if it can <laughs> be a fun word to say. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it could be used as a brand. If someone could brand it as, you know, Ooh. cuvee, the line called cuvee. I'm surprised somebody hasn't. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it's out there. It didn't come up as a producer product name or anything when I searched it. I'm but, sure you would have was in there. Sounds like you did a very deep search. I just, I mean, just putting in that term into products I can buy. And that's I thought the chocolate one was kind of interesting it was a mm. chocolate blended wine cuvee. So there are a couple of those out there. I think I remember Castle Rock brand was my first experience with it, seeing mm. it because they made so many different 
pinots or whatever, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I ever saw oh. it on a label. So another term for our listeners to, right. to know if they see it, cuvee. So not a word to be scared of, but also not a word to be sort of taken in by either now that you know simply what it means. Once again, though, confusing. The wine world just so always has to come up with some sort of, can't just be straightforward. This is what it is. It could be getting back to the fine wine. It could be anything. It could, Our you know. poor consumers, we understand. That's why we're here, trying to help you out with it. Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. Our past episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you would like to leave a comment or a question for us at the show, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. And as always, find us on Franklin Radio, WFPR-FM 102.9. Cheers! Wine, wine.